what a, <clears throat> what a great time we had this week with VBS. It was so much fun to show up in the evening and just see the kids' excitement. And um, I could not help but think throughout the week and even this morning as I was praying for the kids who are part of VBS, that I myself as a small kid, not a part of a, of a Christian home, went to vacation Bible school, heard God's word, and later on, when I was 25 years old, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So it's important that we teach our kids God's words. But I see that, that God's kids' children seem to be heading out on their own. They, they know that. It's important. Before we, we pray for some other things, I want to invite Jesse Mendez up. Jesse is leaving us. Jesse is leaving on Tuesday for a two-year commitment to a Spanish language school in Ecuador. And um, she'll be coming back at Christmas and during the summer or something. But um, we want to pray for her just that God would be with her, that he would use her, um, that your balance of support would be raised. And we are on what percentage now? 60%. So she needs support. But I want to pray for her and... Um, just pray that God would use her in a wonderful way. Let's pray for her right now. Our Father, well, we thank you so much for Jessie. Father, for her commitment to you. Lord, for her love for you. I remember when she came to me and talked with me. And, Lord, part of my heart, and you know my heart so much, I wanted to say no. And yet, also, I wanted to say yes. Father, we thank you that she's willing to leave, leave the comfort of home and... Uh, to go to Ecuador, to trust you to provide for her. We just ask, Father, in a wonderful way that you will use her. Father, we ask that you protect her, that you watch over her spiritually and physically and in every way. And, Father, that people might see Christ in her. We ask, Father, that you would just be with her, Lord, as she travels, Lord, that you keep her safe. We pray, Father, that you bring her back in trips. We pray, Father, that her heart would never lose that love for Humboldt Park, Logan Square, and Chicago. We ask, Father, that you'd lead and guide her. Father, we also ask that you provide for all her support, Lord, that is uh, still lacking. Lord, be with her. Go before her. Again, we thank you for her, and we love her. And pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we think of missionaries, Robert and Ruth Rivera have, I think, a couple more days left in Haiti before they return. So pray for them for the finish, finishing up of uh, a ministry there. As we think of those to pray for, I want us to be praying for inner city impact. We have a few of the staff here, but most of the ICI staff and a lot of the kids have already headed out. There's uh, Camp at Phantom Ranch, I think, and also Camp Freedens Wall. We've got a, a group also traveling today to um, the Boundary Waters for a week of uh, canoeing. I'm a little jealous of them. I um, need to be praying for them. And then as we look at individual lives, we want to continue praying for Leonard and for his mother, Pat, who is uh, in intensive care at Northwestern Hospital and um, has come real close to, to passing, but she's strong and she's fighting so we want to keep praying for, for Pat and for Leonard. 
I think that covers most everything I wanted to touch base on. So let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace in our lives. Father, we thank you for those who are willing to leave and to do a lot, Lord, to share the gospel. We don't know it. Father, we think of, of the inner city impact and the ministry, Lord, that it has. We ask, we ask, Lord, that you would use both camps this week. Father, that many kids would come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, also, Lord, that you would just give the staff wisdom and discernment. Father, you might work through the staff. That you might use your word as it's taught. Lord, you might use relationships. Father, we pray for Robert and Ruth. Lord, that you would protect them as they finish up, bring them home safely. Lord, we think of Pat and pray for her. And Lord, just ask that that your hand, we know that your hand is upon her, Lord, that you would lead and guide the doctors and all this done. And Lord, that it be your will that you strengthen her. And, and um, Father, if she... If it's, if it's your will, Lord, that she go home, that you would strengthen Leonard and his sister and family, Lord, that they might, in a wonderful way, sense your love and your comfort in the midst of grief. Father, we, uh, we just think of, of other needs, Father, um, throughout the church. Ask God that you would be with them and lead and guide. In Christ's name, amen. Well, before or as Josh comes up, I just want to... Say it's a joy to have his, his mic can't be on and mine be on at the same time. In case you're wondering, um, it's a joy to have Josh as our youth pastor to have him involved with the youth, but also to to preach. And this is your second time to preach um, outside of youth Sunday, and uh, the last time was really fantastic and. I think most of us can look back and remember Josh when he was a little guy. It's fantastic to see him grow up in the church, go off to Moody Bible Institute, um, become our youth pastor, um, and to be a man of God. And it is a joy to see him as a role model for, for the church. And Josh, we no longer see you as that teenager anymore. You're a man. And it is a joy just to have opportunity to hear you preach God's Word. And thank you, Pastor Ralph, for that. Um, that really means a lot. Um, good morning, Good News Bible Church. This is a wonderful, hot day to be in church. Um, I'm so grateful to be in front of you and so blessed uh, by the passage that was given to me. Um, I've learned a lot through this series of Nehemiah. I hope you guys have too. Uh, it's been challenging for me uh, this week. Uh, this specific passage has really broken me, and I pray that I will be able to clearly explain to you what God has shown me uh, through the uh, Nehemiah chapter 6. Um, and as you turn there, uh, as Pastor Ralph said, I have been uh, at Good News for a little while now, and uh, you guys have all seen me grown up, most of you have at least. Um, my mom and my dad, used to, or my mom worked at Christian Liberty Academy where I went to school. And one of the 
main things that the, the teachers used to tell him on the dreaded parent-teacher conference was, Josh is a distraction to the other kids around him. And I was, I would, they would say, Josh, just learn how to not talk in class or uh, not joke around or prolong the tests that we had. He would get his work done. Uh, the kids around him would get his work done, or get their work done, um, and and things would just go a lot smoother. But he is being a distraction. It was a continual. That was like the main comment I got from fifth grade to about high school. Um, when they would talk to my parents, when they would see them in the hallways, just hey Josh, you know, remind him to calm down, not to be such a distraction. We love uh, his 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 stories, but during classes is not the time. Um, and distractions are an everyday life, whether it's uh, a, a kid talking in class, uh, whether it's fans blowing papers around, uh, it's, it, it can distract us from doing the work that we have in, in front of us. It can distract us from completing the work that has been given to us. And we, as we look in Nehemiah today, we see a number of distractions and threats that come to Nehemiah. Uh, let's open up first in a, in a word of prayer. Uh, Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity uh, to uh, speak your word, Lord. I pray that I will be able to clearly communicate what you have given me. Um, I pray and what you have taught me, Lord, through uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 and 7. Lord, I just pray that you will bless our congregation, Lord, uh, that you will work in our hearts so that we may uh, reach the community around us, so that we may complete your work that you have given us. In your son's name, amen. So Nehemiah chapter 6, we, we pick up again with the, um, with the walls being completed. Uh, we, we see in the beginning of chapter uh, 1 that God has charged Nehemiah to uh, go back to Jerusalem to complete these walls, uh, to, to complete this work. And Nehemiah now has been faced with a number of oppositions. We look in uh, chapter 4 where we see Sanballat coming to him and challenging him and threatening him. And here we see Sanballat and two, and two other people come up in this story right here. And we're going to pick up in chapter 6, verse 1. Sorry. But now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up to the doors, I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafirm in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I, leave, while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four messages, or they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. So we see Sanballat trying now to distract Nehemiah from doing what God has asked him to do, to finish and complete the wall. He sends up a, a, a letter, and it says, Come, let's meet. And the plains of Ono was in the middle between Samaria and Jerusalem, so it would have taken a day to get there, probably a day to talk and do what they wanted to do, and then a day to get back. So that's three days wasted instead of completing the gates, instead of completing uh, the walls and the work that God asked them to do. 
And not only was it going to take a while and take him away from the work, but he, Nehemiah discerns that this is a threat, that he was in danger. The only way that we can assume this, because the letter was not threatening, it was saying, hey, let's come talk, let's, let's come talk about what you're doing. Um, but Nehemiah knows the past interactions he's had with them, and also, more importantly, the wisdom that was given to Nehemiah from God helped him discern that this was not a friendly letter. Um, there was a lot of trouble that was happening on these planes, and so it would have been really easy for Nehemiah to get kidnapped, um, for Sambalat to kill or hurt Nehemiah, and this ultimately would have stopped the rebuilding of the walls. So Nehemiah is very respectful. He just says, you know, that's okay. I have a lot of work that needs to be done. Why should this work stop? Why should this work uh, finish, or not be finished, and me go and talk with you and this work be delayed? So four times he asks of them. He was very persistent. He was very on top of it. He kept asking Nehemiah, come and meet with me. We pick up now in chapter uh, 6, verses uh, 5. It says, In the same way, Sambalat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are rebuilding the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of this, of these reports. So now, come and let us counsel together. So we see this fifth letter coming to Nehemiah. And this was different than the four other letters. The four other letters were sent directly to Nehemiah. He receives them, uh, and he's the only one that reads these letters. This one is an open letter. That's a very... Um, they, they put that in there because it meant that this letter, uh, if anybody came up to him, uh, the, to the messenger, they were able to read it. Uh, back then, they would usually seal the letters, and so if the seal was broken, you were able to know if somebody tampered with it, if the information got out to somebody. But when you send an open letter, this was available for everybody to read. And this was a, a type of threat to Nehemiah and to the people. He wanted the people to understand uh, or he wanted the people to have fear in their hearts. And so this threat of them says, we hear, Nehemiah, that you are wanting to become king. We hear that the reason you're building these walls is so that you can rebel against the king that is over you right now. And for a matter of fact, this rumor has gone straight to the king, and so you better come talk to us. You better meet with us right now so either we can protect you or we can talk about what's going to happen. And Nehemiah looks at this rumor, and we all have either been on the one end of a rumor or the other, and we know how it can really affect the people around us, it can really damage people, it can really damage people's characters. And so as the messenger is coming to Nehemiah with this letter, people are able to read it, people are able to see and wonder, is this what Nehemiah is really building the wall? They're able to talk amongst themselves, and Nehemiah sees this, and the only thing that he can really do, because remember, this was something that was uh, a threat to Nehemiah, to go and to go to the plains of Ono, this was going to, again, distract him from the work, this was not going to be able to complete the walls, and he may have gotten, in, he may have gotten hurt, kidnapped, killed. Um, and we see that the only thing he can do is deny it. Nehemiah knew who he was. As we talked in the last series, we talked about the Davidic covenant. We talked about how God promised David that his line would never come off, uh, will never be off the throne of Israel. 
And so we, now we see Nehemiah, and he is not of the line of David. He knows who he is. He knows the work that God has given him. And he is confident in that. And he, he, he sends the letter back saying, this is complete false. This is false. This is lies. You guys are making this up in your head. This is not true. Whatever you guys are thinking, whatever you guys are lying about, whatever you guys are spreading these rumors about us, we are not going to rebel against the king. And then the most important thing that he says comes in verse 9. It says, For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. And we see in Nehemiah plenty of times stop in the middle and he, starts, and he mentions a prayer that he says. And this is such a prayer that means so much. Strengthen my hands. He knew that the people around him may have been frightened. He knew that the people, that he was probably nervous that the, that the rumors did get to the king and the work would have been stopped. They would have taken them back into exile. But we see a courage that can only be given from God. We see him standing firm in who he is, standing firm in the work that God has done and the work that God has given him to complete these walls. He knew the threats around him, but most importantly, he knew who God was. He knew who his God was. He asked for strength. Nehemiah could not have done this work without the strength of God. He could not have done this work without God being behind him. And he understands that this is what I need to help to lead these people. They need the strength. I need the strength. So verse 10 reads, Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mahatabel, who was confined to the home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Now we see this threat coming closer to home. This wasn't far away in Samaria. This was a, a man who was supposed to be a prophet, who was supposed to be a man that delivered messages from God. And Nehemiah goes into this home, and we see that there was some truth to, the, to what uh, Shemaiah said. There probably was men around Nehemiah that wanted to kill him, that wanted to stop this work, that would have done it if they were told to do it. But then we see, a lot of times, you see this truth, and it's, it's, we see this false lie, and it's covered with so, a little bit of truth sprinkled in there. To try to make Nehemiah fall, to try to make Nehemiah, Nehemiah's character weak. He says, you need to go and run into the temple, and me and, and you and I will go in there, we'll shut the doors, we'll live in there, and we'll be protected in there. So Nehemiah hears this, and again we see the discernment that we read about in verse 1, we see the strength that we read about in verse 5 that he has come together, and he discerns this, and though there was people trying to go after him, try to hurt him, he stands firm. He says, 
Who am I such a man that would run? In every instance we see Nehemiah's story, he stands with courage. He knows who his God is. Since the beginning when he asked for permission to go build the wall, we see how courageous Nehemiah is. He says, why would I run? This would be completely against Nehemiah's character. Secondly, he knows, he's like, am I such a man that should be living in the temple? He knew the laws of God. He knew that the only people that, were belonged, that belonged in the temple were the high priests. And it would have, he would have sinned by going into them. And from then on, people wouldn't have trusted him. His name would have been completely just drugged through the mud. His leadership would have failed. The walls, again, would have stopped. And this was another ploy from Nehemiah's enemy. And the, the great thing he says in there, he doesn't rebuke Shemaiah. He doesn't go after Shemaiah. He just sits there and he says to God, Remember Tobiah and Sambalot, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. He says, God, you have this. He recognizes that God is in control. He recognizes that God is going to handle this situation. He knows that God is in control. And from what we see from verses 1 to 14 is the consistency of temptation. The consistency of distraction. We see how one by one by one we see Nehemiah just completely standing firm, but how, how great these attacks were on Nehemiah. How much fear could have been in Nehemiah's heart. We see that it wasn't just, they didn't give up after the first letter. There was a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. Then they tried to strike fear in the hearts of the people around him. Then they tried to come in through a prophet of God who was supposed to be helping him. These temptations and distractions can distract us today. There's so many, the devil is very persistent. He sees the work that God has given us, the work that God has asked us to do in this community, in this church, as, not just as good news, but as a body of Christ, and he wants to stop it. He's extremely crafty. He gives us a little bit of truth with a lot of lies. He tries to distract us. He tries to drag our names to the mud. He tries to make our character weak. But as Nehemiah, these three instances, we see him standing firm in his God. Standing firm in the God that asked him and commanded him to do this work. The same God who has asked us and has commanded us to do his work. Building up his kingdom making disciples, reaching the lost, showing the love of Christ. We can learn a lot to how Nehemiah handles these different distractions. We see how uh, he, was thre- he was asked just very simply with the letter to go out and to basically waste time. Waste time on completing the projects. A lot of times, especially with this media-driven culture, and media is great, and it can be used so great, but we get distracted so easily. And we waste a lot of time that can be used 
for God's work. The second, the fifth letter, we see a fear that was supposed to be driven into Nehemiah's heart so that the hands would drop and they would not be able to complete the, the work, the wall. They would not be able to finish the gates. A lot of times we get scared. We have fear in our hearts. The culture around us wants to attack us. They want us to make us feel like what we say is wrong. It's again, we shouldn't be saying it. We shouldn't be believing what God says. And if we do speak up, we're just attacking everybody. We have a fear in our hearts that can stop us from preaching who God is, from explaining the love of Christ to others. As Nehemiah did, we should ask for strength. We should ask for him to give us strength. God is the only one that can give us courage. God is the only one that can give us strength. And then we see with Shemaiah how this came from within. This came from somebody that was with, who was supposed to give him news from God. And it was a rumor. It was a lie. And a lot of times we have these types of, of conversations within the church. We have these type of conversations within the body that cause divisions, whether it is a rumor. And it divides from within. And it stops us from wanting to serve with that brother or sister in Christ. It stops us from wanting to serve with our family. Nehemiah had faith in God. He knew where his strength came from. And a lot of times we hear these different things of we're getting attacked so much and it can be so, we always just have to be on our guard and that's so true that we do have to be on our guard. But one just amazing and exciting part of this story is that though we are on our guard, there is going to be completion. And we see in the next verse in Nehemiah chapter uh, 6 verse 15, he says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. They saw that this could not have been done. This wall, the wall of Jerusalem was completed in such a short amount of time. 52 days. And the enemies look at this and they realize this could not have happened and that this was the work of God, the true God. The, the enemies around them understood what this wall meant. They understood that this God that helped them from the Red Sea to cleaning out the land, that helped them with, with the times of the judges just continually coming through for Israel, that he never left them. They, were, they, had, fear, they had the fear of God in them when they saw God's work being completed. In this short passage, we see God is sufficient. 
through all the trials, through all the adversity, through all the, the distractions, God was in control of each and every single part of it. The work that he has given us in our community is, is something that when the community sees how we interact with each other, when we interact with them, when we, the way we love each other, the way we forgive each other, even the, to the way that we discipline each other, as a church, as a body of Christ, they will see that this is the work of the Lord. They will see it by our actions. They will see it by how we interact with them. And this past week, we had the vacation Bible school. And it was just so amazing to see from 7th graders up into the more uh, mature members of the church working together. Some have, this must have been their first vacation Bible school, helping and leading, and some of this must have been their 30th year in, in serving the Lord in this area. And showing the love of God on these children coming in and coming out and just continual on a daily basis, they are receiving this. The community is seeing this, that what is going on? And when the enemies see this, when the enemy hears of the work that is going on, they tremble. They fear God. But we should be doing this on a daily basis. We should be doing this not just on Sundays and in our small groups as separate bodies of Christ, but as one unified church, continually helping our community, continually helping the people around us. And when the world sees that, they're going to see that God is in control, that this is a real and true and almighty God. The end of chapter 6 is such an exciting... I, kinda, I, I would love have, to have been there to see this wall be completed, to see the gates be put on, people rejoicing and singing. But this wasn't just the end right here. In chapter 7, we see, comes right after it. It wasn't a, by accident that God put chapter 7 in here. And a lot of times, we can skim over it. When I was younger, my uh, dad... He would tell us these stories. Uh, I would, we would ask him, hey, Pop, come on, share with us, give us a bedtime story what the little kids are asking for. And so me and my sister would sit with my dad on the couch, and I just remember it like it was yesterday, and he would share with us a story of Little Brown Boy. And, I, and we were, he would go on, and he would share all these detailed stories, and I was like, man, where is this story? Like, I want to find this book. I would love to like, read this on my own because my dad's taking too much time going through it. Like, what's happening next? And my dad is a very descriptive person. He's a very, uh, when he tells stories, he, he's very into them. And I could see the anger on his face when something bad happened to Little Brown Boy. Or I could see the sadness when, when, when Little Brown Boy got hurt. And I could see the joy when Little Brown Boy would start growing up and, and the things started coming together for him. And throughout that year, we would be wanting to hear this story more and more. We'd go out to dinner, and as we were waiting for our food, we're like, tell us one more story. Come on, tell us one more story. And the stories that he would tell us that were short, they were sometimes boring. I, I'm not going to admit. I would be like, okay, let's move on. Let's get to an exciting part of Little Brown Boy's chapter's life. Like, I want to see this. I want to hear the good stuff. I, I just want to read that and, or hear that and move forward. And so he would, he would keep telling us, and later on my sister leaned over to me. It was like a year or so that passed. She's like, this is Pop's story. 
And I was like, no. And as I started thinking, I was like, well, little brown boy has this many brothers and sisters, and I have this many aunts and uncles, and this happened to him, and this also happened to Pop, and little brown boy wrestled, and well, that makes sense. And so it just started, it started putting it all together. And I saw my dad in a different light. I saw him, and I, and I knew his background. I knew his story. And if he would have skimmed over the little parts that made little brown boy, or made my dad, who he was that picture wouldn't have been complete. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have seen my dad in the same way. It would have just been, he has, a, he has a lot of great stories. And chapter 7 has been put in this, and there's plenty of, cha- of these chapters in the Bible that, has, that list names. Hard names to pronounce. It lists numbers to pronounce. And God puts them in this Bible, not for us to skim over, but for us to read through to look at these names, to look at how many people came back. Because though the walls were completed, the promise that the, that the Israelites were going to be coming back to Jerusalem, that God was going to be sufficient in meeting their needs, is chapter 7. Nehemiah recalls the exiles coming back. And if we skim over chapter 7, we miss the excitement that the Israelites must have felt. We miss the excitement that Nehemiah himself must have been overjoyed to read. In chapter, in chapter 7, verse 6, it says, These were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles from Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispareth, Bigvi, Nahum, and Benai. And we read through this list of people that came with, and as the, the younger generations look at this, this ledger, this, this documentation of who came back with who, of how many people came back with them, they can say, this is where my family came back. This is how God delivered us. This is how God brought us back to our land, to the land that he has given us. And it completes the story. It completes his promise. And these two promises look forward to, though Nehemiah denied that he was, that he was going to rebel against the king, because he, he was not the king, they were looking forward to a king that was to come, that was going to fully deliver them. And the completion of, this, of these walls, and the, and the Israelites being brought out of exile gives them hope that God is completing the promises that he gave them. God is doing a good work in each and every one of your lives. In Philippians 1, we hear Paul say that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How amazing to look at Nehemiah this work that God said, you are going to complete these walls. You are going, the, the people are going to bring back to, come out of exile and be brought back to the land. And we see the completion of both of them. And it gives us hope that God is not going, I'm sorry, that God is going to fulfill his promises. It gives us that kind of hope.
There are different completions in each and every single one of your lives that are different from each and every single one of you sitting here today. God has either have you overcome temptation, overcome your past. God has mended relationships from broken families. God has provided for you physically, spiritually, emotionally at times. And these are small, little completions that give us hope to a day when we will be with Jesus. When the full and perfect completion that he will complete the work that he's uh, promised in us. These stories that we have, these testimonies, we, I love that the church picnic is coming up. All these things are coming up that, that are just are, are joy to my heart because we hear in baptisms the testimonies of what God has done of, up to that point in that person's life. We hear thanksgiving and we see these, these what God, we're thankful for God, what they have been doing in the lives of our members during the thanksgiving service. Just as we have served in VBS and, and, and we should be doing that on a daily basis, we should be sharing those different stories of completions to, to each other. To push us along. To give us hope. Because some of us, we're in the middle of a completion happening right now. We're either overcoming temptation. We're either overcoming spiritual or physical ailments. And those stories encourage us. And if Nehemiah was in the middle of building those walls, he had firm belief that God was going to complete them. But he didn't just have that belief. He, he was strengthened by God, just as we need to be strengthened by God. He was encouraged by the people around him. Nehemiah could not have done this build, rebuilding of the wall by himself. It would have taken way longer than 52 days. He had God provided people to go back with him to complete these walls. We need to encourage each other as one body, as one church, with our stories of, of God's completions in our lives. I want to challenge you guys, as you are leaving here today and we see some new faces or we see some older, or we see some um, old faces that we see every single day, uh, and maybe we don't know their stories. Maybe we don't, we don't know where they've come from. Pull them aside. It's a great conversation starter. As we have this block party coming up, and we have people who will come and visit and, and enjoy fellowship with each other, share these stories of what God has done in our lives. Don't be afraid to share what God's work has done, because when we, just as in Nehemiah, just as in the story of the completions, when we share the work of God being completed, the people around us will know that God is real. The people around us will know that He is a living and powerful God. And He has strengthened each one of you. And He will strengthen you guys. We need to ask for prayer when we feel like we cannot go anymore. When we feel like this fear is consuming our bodies, we need to stop and pray the prayer that Nehemiah prayed, God strengthened my hand. Some translations just say, God strengthened me. Either way, we know that God was strengthening Nehemiah and that promise that he's going to be with us just as he is with Nehemiah, he will strengthen you. He will be with you. And he is sufficient in what he says. 
Let's take these lessons from Nehemiah. Let's apply it to our lives. Let's really trust in what God has commanded us to do. He's given us a work in this community. He has given us a work as one body. There's many of churches around here, which is amazing to see. And sometimes that even can cause division. But we are one body of Christ. Let's work together. Let's not look at these distractions, these temptations that will draw us away from doing His work. Let's not fall into those daily um, scheduled events of, well, I just go home, I go to sleep, and I'll watch some TV, and that's it. Let's challenge ourselves to do God's work on a daily basis. Again, as one body. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you.